Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. Today, we are concluding our series called Hard Truth. Jesus has been speaking hard words to his followers as he makes his way to Jerusalem. Hard truths, and we'll hear another today about life and death and what really matters. This is a Savior who wants his disciples of all ages to know what is important, to have an eternal perspective on dying and living. These truths are often hard to hear, but our Lord in love speaks them because we need to hear them and internalize them for our eternal good. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Let's get reacquainted with our preachers for this series, Pastor John Bergaman from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Downers Grove, Illinois, Pastor Ben Tomzak, who serves Bethel Lutheran Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And with us today is Professor Aaron Christie. Dean of Chapel at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary and Professor of Worship and Homiletics. Well, today we are thinking about the readings for the Sunday that falls between September 25th and October 1st in year C, so that's proper 21. The theme tying the readings together this week in the series that we're following, this Hard Truth series, is what seems to help in life fails in death. And what seems to fail in life helps in death. Something for worship planners and preachers to take note of is that this week's theme is similar in many ways to last week's. Both refer to material wealth, um, and there are other texts beyond this week and last too in this part of the pericopes that uh, deal with these topics. Um, last week's theme and this week's both get us thinking about what in life really counts, Last week's focus was maybe a little more on how putting trust in money rather than in God will cause problems in this life. Remember, we talked about 1 Timothy chapter 6 and uh, the parable of the shrewd manager. This week, we get more into how trusting in material things rather than in God will cause problems, uh, to say the least, after this life. There's overlap in these different themes in these different weeks, of course, which is why we've been encouraging preachers to look ahead at the whole series so as not to preach everything on one Sunday and then find yourself without anything more to say on the following Sunday. So we narrow our focus this week to what seems to help in life fails in death, what seems to fail in life helps in death. Ben Tomzak, uh, if you would summarize the scripture readings for this Sunday, and if you could especially highlight the first and second readings for us thing, John. Uh, this week we get attached to the Gospel of Luca, a reading from Amos and then a reading from Hebrews 13. And, and in Amos, God is talking to a people who they're, they're doing well. They've got a whole heck of a lot going on. There's peace, there's prosperity. Um, the economy is cranking out. You know, they're growing at how many percentage points and the stock market's just through the roof, but they are spiritually done. They are, they are empty but it's lulled them into a false sense of security. They're, they're uh, you know, we think of the phrase to fiddle while Rome burns. You know, they're, they're going on having a good time while the whole infrastructure of their spiritual life is falling apart. Um, they're a little bit like the, the Pope Luther had to deal with, Leo X, who said, God has given us the papacy, let us enjoy it. Or, or maybe uh, I think of, uh, I grew up reading Edgar Allan Poe and the story of the mask of red death. While all the world is dying, these rich people, these, these well-off people are having this, elegant party, only to discover death has been among them the entire time. Um, Israel has committed themselves to eating, drinking, and being merry, because this is the life, and, and we're going we're gonna to do it. And 
And God just says, I'm going to have none of it. If you want to party now, fine, but your party will end. In fact, your party will be the first to end. And as we're going to probably talk about when we look at Luke, this isn't simply because they're rich. This isn't a down with the rich idea, but you have let everything get in the way of God, in front of God, and you have ignored Moses and the prophets, and you will be dragged off into exile because you think you'll be untouched. You'll think you'll be untouched by death, by destruction that you see all around you simply because you're rich or or you think that because you're blessed uh, with peace that you are now belonging to God and, and untouchable in some way. Well, you are not. And you shall not escape judgment. You will be dragged off into exile. And hopefully that's it. Hopefully it won't be into eternal death as we'll see so vividly portrayed in our gospel. Hebrews comes a, a little bit more positively, though, uh, and, and says you have so much because you have the Lord as a helper. And that really should be the defining characteristic of your life then. And, and then the writer of the Hebrews lists at least five uh, ways that, this help from God should impact you, um, whether you're rich or poor, um, that with your brothers in Christ, you're going to love them. You're going to love them like crazy. Strangers, you're going to love so much, you'll bring them in and you'll host them and maybe accidentally host an angel, that famous line in Hebrews. Uh, the prisoners, the mistreated, um, you're going to embrace them and embrace their suffering as your own. Uh, marriage, you're going to preserve the marriage bed as the most holy thing you could, you could have. And in your heart, you're going to protect it from the love of money and from discontent. And, and while there's so much positive here, God does warn, especially when he talks about marriage, because God will judge. So he, he slips that back in, as he did with Amos, um, because as he says these positive things, we note that we are shielding ourselves. We're shielding ourselves from something that, that we don't want to deal with, whether it's vulnerability or, or our own suffering or some sort of want or, or even being locked down to one partner. Um, but we do this and we act on our own. We, we act as our own deliverer, our own savior, our own helper. But as it turns out, like Israel in the time of Amos, we can't even be faithful to ourselves in any of these things. And so the writers tell us we got to turn this around. We serve others. We serve them all the time. We serve them in everything because the Lord Jesus served you. Never will I leave you, he says. I am with you. I am your helper. And we discover that as we do these things, as we live this life, God calls us to live um, just like Dear Lazarus, we'll learn in our gospel today, nothing can actually harm us, not poverty, not sickness, not death, not exile, because the Lord really is our helper. He really is absolutely everything we need. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for tying those together and bringing out those strong gospel emphases that are there, too. Um, John Bergman, let's go to you to get us started thinking about our text for the week suggested for this hard truth series is to preach on Luke 16, 19 to 31. So uh, could you get us started as we think about preaching this text? Sure. Uh, just as we think about preaching this text, maybe the, the first question that comes to mind is, what is this? In other words, is this a parable? Is it a real story using real characters? And there's been a lot of ink that's been written or discussion that's been had by Bible students over the years on this. Um, it doesn't say that it's a parable. A specific name is, is mentioned. Lazarus is named, a different Lazarus, obviously, than uh, the one that Jesus knew. But Lazarus is named. That name Lazarus comes from Eleazar or Eleazarus, shortened to Lazara, which means literally God is a help or God is a helper. So 
this could be a, a name that Jesus is using to describe something about this character here. It's someone who seeks and, re and receives help from God. Um, there are many things in this story that don't obviously seem to be literal reality. You know, we have conversations between those in, in heaven and Hades or hell. Uh, Abraham and the rich man have hands, tongues, eyes, mouth before the resurrection. So perhaps the best way to describe it is, is a story that teaches a spiritual lesson. One theologian called it a doctrinal narrative. And uh, Martin Luther commented on it. He said, we must believe that a similar judgment will be passed over those who here on earth join either the rich man or the poor Lazarus. And it is not necessary to argue whether this is a history or a parable. So Luther would say, don't get so wrapped up in whether this was a real story or a parable. And I think what Luther would tell us and what we want to do too is to get to the point. And I think in preaching this, we don't want our hearers, we don't want our audience to get all bogged down in, in details that we just don't know about or to get fascinated about. Can people between heaven and hell speak to each other, blah, blah, blah. We, maybe we'd want to give kind of a quick summary or explanation of this nearly unique format that Jesus uses, but then kind of, I think, move on, right, and, and get to the main point of things. So those are just a few ideas I had in approaching this format that Jesus uses, and I'm happy to hear anything that you guys think as well. Yeah, thanks for that introduction. And just piggybacking on what you just said, John, um, this is a section of the Bible that I would use um, as part of my Bible instruction course when we would get to the lesson on eschatology, you know, some basics on heaven and hell uh, and things like that, um, because I think there are things we can learn from it. But if I'm preaching on this text, I don't think I'm going to focus on those things really, or on those details that I would cover in a BIC, um, uh, because we're approaching it from a different standpoint, really getting at the, not just to learn some things that we can add to other things we learn from other sections of the Bible about heaven and hell, but we want to really drill down and get to the main point, which is, yeah, as you're suggesting, yeah, what, what really matters? And in context of the other scripture readings that Ben talked about too. Um, so uh, Aaron Christie, could we go to you next and um, just share with us some insights on this text or just some thoughts about uh, how preachers might go about proclaiming it? If, if I can go back for just one moment to what we're dealing with here, the idea of, of uh, this perhaps being a subset of a parable, an illustrative story, maybe we could put it in the category of, of the uh, prodigal son, for instance, um, or the good Samaritan, um, those stories which, which are true for all time, even if this is a story uh, the Lutheran dogmaticians didn't shrink back from from really teaching um, in the areas of heaven and hell on the, using the contents of, of this account. I just got that new volume from uh, Gerhardt's Commonplaces uh, in Luke 16, 19 to 31 is, is all over the place there um, in the teaching about uh, hell because the details of this story mesh so very well with what we have in the in the rest of Scripture except that uh, what John said, that interesting notion of, of conversation back and forth between heaven and hell. I guess it, moving forward then, the, the thought of preaching is, is I had in, encouraged the brothers out there uh, to really kind of milk the details 
Um, the, imp or the imperfect, for instance, in, in verse 19, that this man was habitually dressed uh, in fine purple and fine linen. Uh, going down to, to verse 21, that uh, Lazarus just didn't have uh, dogs licking his sores, but habitually uh, this was, was happening. Again, very vivid. Uh, going down to, to verse 25, uh, when we get to that point with uh, the rich man suffering the pains of torment, uh, where he's invited to remember. Um, and then Abraham there even calls him son um, as, he's, as he's suffering the torments of hell. I, I can't imagine um, you know, how dreadful that is when you're, you're experiencing the torments of the damned uh, to be called son. Uh, by Father Abraham, just truly uh, uh, pouring salt in the wound. Not that Abraham uh, isn't being kind, but but that that uh, that kindness just uh, deepens the uh, the tragedy that you're experiencing. And then that uh, that heiress uh, passive to to be remembering um, what you had in life and how it could have been different. I think it was Prof. Deutschlander back in college who said, could a, an element of hell be the eternal ringing of church bells? Um, to, to, to always be thinking, uh, what I'm experiencing now, the torments I now have and how easily it could have been different. And yet I, I opted, uh, to be tripping over Lazarus at my doorstep as I feasted wildly and, and sumptuously uh, day in and day out. I opted to remain uh, in the language of uh, Amos 6, lounging on my couch of ivory, um, gulping down bowls of fine wine, um, instead of, of doing that which was right before me, living out a vocation as, as God's child. Yeah, yeah. So you brought out a, a number of things that caught my attention to um, the living in luxury every day. I think the NIV has it, but uh, yeah, feasting sumptuously. So these different details that Jesus brings out in the story just emphasize the different points, um, whether it's there uh, in this life or fast forward in the story, <clears throat> excuse me, to the, the next life and what the experience is for each of these men. Um, it is a unique story in that way that these little details really highlight um, both uh, the here and the hereafter in the story. And I think those can be brought out. Aaron? Yeah, I, I, isn't it interesting that could you almost say that the man's opulence and his luxury, uh, that it, it almost to an extent dehumanizes him a little bit? He's, he's just a tiss. Mm -hmm. um, he's a, a certain rich man, uh, and then at, at his end, we just hear, and then he died too, uh, and then how drastically the, uh, the scene shifts in hell, uh, where he was in torment, whereas as Lazarus is uh, blessed uh, with a name, he's known uh, to his God, his situation is known to his God, and his God has mercy on him. Um, Again, that the man isn't even dignified, the rich man isn't even dignified here with a name, um, but but Lazarus is is well known as he's taken to Abram's bosom. Right. Uh, yeah, all the details. Right. Just just highlight each part of the the story. Um, this is something I asked, I think, uh, last week too, in a, in a related text. Um, how can preachers get beyond uh, a simple and kind of cliched um, 
rich people bad, poor people good, uh, giving that impression, um, which I think maybe, you know, if, if you have people who are not familiar with this account or haven't uh, delved into it really, you know, you could come away with that impression. And I'm sure many people have over the centuries as they've read this, um, just uh, just said, okay, yeah, I get the point. Um, rich people are bad, poor people are good. Uh, any suggestions you have for preachers to um, help them address that misconception or move beyond that? I think the, the way it ends, I mean, you kind of, you, you might be tempted to think Abraham is being kind of a jerk. No, nope, not sending you water. Nope, not going to send Lazarus back. Nope, uh, there's there's nothing I'm going to get the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. But you know, what is this rich man relying on? Not, well, in, in a way it's wealth, but not in this, like you said, we're not trying to say all rich man evil. Um, Ambrose has a beautiful quote that not all poverty is holy and not all riches are criminal. Um, but it's, it's a reliance on a miracle to be wealthy is in a way miraculous in our world. It's kind of a one in a million kind of thing. And, and the rich man had it and he kind of still thinking that way in hell. I can kind of, I can, I got a connection with Abraham and I can get this guy. I know Lazarus, you know, maybe if I, you know, and, and Abraham says, no, there's no miracle here. It's just the word, the same thing you messed up before. And, and so it's not cold Abraham. It's just Abraham bringing reality to this man of the thing that that you had traded everything for. That's the one thing. So kind of the way it's, you know, that bookend, that reliable, the, the actual miracle is the power of the word of God. That will that will get to your brothers that you profess to love so much. Yeah. So centering it on that, the rich man and his relationship or lack of relationship with the word in this life, him instead turning to, hey, yeah, some some miraculous type of thing um, for uh, for his rescue, Aaron. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We as Americans, we like to think of wealth as always the bottom line. But could you make a case for wealth being uh, ultimately a, a, an attitude of of the heart? Um, at my previous congregation down in Illinois, I had a gentleman who did business in fifty seven different countries. Um, well, a well-established man in the world of business. Uh, but he said, as we were sitting having dinner one night, he said, Pastor Christie, you're one of the 1%. Uh, and that just really blew me away that I think we're all pretty good at identifying with Lazarus. Um, where in the world today, our, our bottom line would say we, uh, we have some affinity for that rich man well, to what degree then does that, that self-sufficiency of materialism or that self-sufficiency of my riches, um, to what degree am I, am I bitten by that bug? That's, that's something we need to uh, carefully explore uh, with, with the, the Word of God. And I find it interesting how even, even in the torments of hell, you don't hear the rich man repent whatsoever. He asks for a little bit of mercy to take care of some pain, uh, but we don't hear an, uh, a syllable of repentance, and he's still content in his uh, self-centeredness to, to, boss, uh, to boss Lazarus around from, from the afterlife, uh, telling Lazarus what he should be doing. So I guess where do I see myself in this parable? Um, I know I'm supposed to say I want to be pious Lazarus out at the gate, 
but deep, deep down, I think there's a lot of, of the lifestyles of the rich and the famous uh, that I identify with that TV show from my childhood, uh, that that rich man, those attitudes are alive and well within me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we're getting at some of the, the malady thoughts definitely here in the text. Uh, John? Yeah, I just, like I said, Aaron said before with the details on this, that man was outside of his gate every day. You know, it was just again, it seems again and again and again, it was right in his face. Um, by the way, one of those details, you know, he's getting licked by the dogs. And in this day and age where like dogs, we just love so much and people have bumper stickers that say proud grandparents of grand dogs and all this ridiculous stuff. We, we forget how shocking that is. It's almost like if we'd read it today and he was being licked by the possums or by the raccoons because dogs were just disgusting and unclean back then, you know, but this is how extreme it was. It's not like he was just unaware of this guy. He blatantly did nothing about it. He blatantly rejected the word of God again and again and again and again. And uh, how often have I been presented the word of God again and again and again? And how often I yawn at it still in my sinfulness and get caught up into all these other things like Aaron was talking about. And then an extension of that, how, how I fail to love my neighbor as myself again and again and again, too. So we, we can see ourselves in this a little bit. Um, all over the place too. Just an interesting note you mentioned uh, before Deutschlander, his commentary on those suffering that they didn't help uh, in the Christmas Carol. Jacob Marley and the spirits are tormented because now they see the spirits of those they never helped on this life, and they can't do anything about it. They're just suffering forever. It almost seems like Charles Dickens picked up on the story as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, uh, Aaron. It, it strikes me as we're on the topic of wealth here in the parish, uh, you so often hear uh, that request for pastor, can you preach something that's a little more practical? And so maybe it, it would be good when we talk wealth to, to talk about budgeting or percentage giving. And, and it would be very easy to write down notes and the next three things that I'm going to do to apply those principles in my life. Isn't it, isn't it fascinating, though, that when it comes to, uh, to repentance, that it's usually not rocket science? Um, you're tripping over the man at your gate. Uh, the, the need is as obvious to you at that point as the nose on your face. As you sit there lounging on your couch, um, you know, drinking down, drinking down your, your wealth, your bowls of wine, maybe just maybe you could get off the couch and, and uh, do a God-pleasing vocation that, that benefits your fellow man. Or in the, in the language of, of Hebrews 13, to, to be truly content with what we have. Uh, those are not nearly as easy uh, things to do uh, deep, deep down with our, with our sinful nature hanging around our neck like it does. Um, that's tough stuff to get after as opposed to write down some techniques for better money management and, uh, and saving for the future. And that kind of preaching goes down a lot better than the tough truth that, uh, that uh, is dished up here in, in this pericope. Right, right. Yeah, your comments make me realize, and I, I probably have before looking at this text, but also Hebrews and Amos, um, kind of the synthesis between the first table sins and the second table sins, or one leads to the other. Um, we see the rich man uh, not loving his neighbor. Um, 
toward the end of the story, we get to the core problem. Well, he didn't pay attention to Moses and the prophets. Um, neither did his brothers. Or in Hebrews, it's these encouragements to love one's neighbor. But then uh, verses five and six, um, trust in the Lord, who is your eternal helper. Or in Amos, of course, the materialism is being condemned, but <clears throat> it's more than just that. It's that their hearts were far from the Lord. And that evidenced itself in their mistreatment of the poor and their reveling in, in you know, wealth in a self-centered way. So, yeah, maybe just to think about as you preachers think about preaching the law in this text, it's, it's really both first table and second table sins, I think, that are being addressed here and in the other readings, too. Um, how about uh, gospel thoughts um, or gospel emphases that come across in the text? I think Ben noted several in the other readings. Um, how about here in Luke 16? What do you bring out and how do you bring it out? It's um, one of the, the ideas I was tinkering with and was uh, to steal from Dickens and talk about a tale of two sinners. And it's easy to, to lay out all the incredibly bad things that the rich man did. I mean, Jesus just slathers it on this guy. This is the he's the he's a character you want to punch in the face. He's one of those clueless bad guys or like Dolores Umbridge, that she's just so evil and you never get over <laughs> on her and I just got to hit her. Um, but Lazarus, he just goes to heaven. And, and it's not like Jesus says, oh, what a faith. Oh, for such a faith. We've never seen such a faith in Israel. But clearly he has faith in Christ because he's in heaven. And and the way Jesus talks about it, the, I think it highlights the poverty of spirit from the Sermon on the Mount. Faith is just this grasping hand. You know, Lazarus isn't praised in any way. It's just He's grasping desperately, and, and the Spirit puts into his hands Jesus. Um, just like the, Lazarus wanted food from the man's table, he needs something from God, and God gives it um, because God is the helper. He is Lazarus for Lazarus. Um, and then all kinds, like you said, Aaron said, the details. So what does that mean? Faith means we get to shine like the stars. He's sitting there, and he can be seen from hell. Um, faith means God actually knows his name. Augustine said it's because Jesus has the book of life open and he reads his name out loud. That's why we get his name. Faith means you get to be carried away by angels when you die. Faith faith means you get to sit with Abraham. Uh, it's like God saying, Lazarus, you get to sit in the most blessed seat with my most blessed man in my most blessed place. That's what it means to have Christ and nothing else. And it's almost like Jesus doesn't have to say it. He just says, and Lazarus went to heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Beautiful gospel thoughts. I suppose this is one of uh, countless examples of the great reversal theme in Luke also um, that we see throughout here, of course, is another prime example. And our kind of our theme for the, the week brings it out, you know, what, what seems to help in life fails in death, what seems to fail in life, that's what really helps in death, uh, kind of the bringing out that reversal theme. So another way to approach the gospel, um, the one who looks like he's losing in life actually uh, by grace is the winner and vice versa. Aaron? There is that ultimate as you're kind of taking that meta-narrative there of, of role reversal. There is the ultimate uh, role reversal that happened on a Friday and, and a Sunday. Um, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen to one who rose from the dead. And okay. there I don't yeah. have... Uh, Lazarus of Bethany in mind, there I have the Lord Jesus in mind. Um, that the, the law and the prophets, Moses and the prophets, uh, spoke of Christ, 
Uh, and Christ is the, the perfect fulfillment of that word of life. Um, and where that word is believed in Lazarus, um, the angels of, of God rejoice. And, and where that word is, is sadly ignored or rejected, um, we're so turned in on ourselves that we, we don't uh, have any need for that word of truth. We don't consider it uh, to hold any weight in life. Well, then we ultimately forfeit the life that could be ours. Um, can I also put a plug in here, uh, Prof. Mitchell, for the hymn of the day? Yeah. In, the, our, in our new hymnal, hymn number 817, Lord, Thee I Love With All My Heart. Uh, notice the Jacobean pronoun is back there. Uh, Lord, Thee I Love With All My Heart. I, I, I can't think of a, of a profounder hymn of the day that, that so wonderfully connects and, and uh, explores the themes of the gospel lesson. Lord, let at last your angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home, that I may die unfearing. A, a hymn that will be sung someday um, at my funeral. I think it might be kind of interesting for, for our listeners to take a look at that hymn uh, and consider that hymn uh, those three stanzas from the perspective of Lazarus, uh, from the perspective of the rich man who would have nothing um, to do with a hymn like that, and then from our perspective, uh, that by the gift of faith in the resurrected Christ that we can sing a hymn like that uh, with full confidence and joy. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Just helps uh, reinforce, contribute to, add new angles to all of the the sections of scripture we're considering. John? Yeah, uh, Aaron, that's going to be sung at my funeral too. And so that's <laughs> so there's, wonderful. There's a trend forming. I like it. Oh, I'm just, uh, you know, I thought real, real briefly, you know, law gospel here, the law, we don't always value things properly. We've just talked about that. But the gospel, we don't always value things properly. Um, in other words, I, who am I in Christ? I, I, even if I'm covered with sores, being licked by dogs, the scourge of society, bearing the cross and, and earth, I'm one destined, right, as we said, to be carried by angels to, to heaven. Um, and what value I have and what treasure I have right now, too. I, I have the gospel. I have the one thing that changes my life forever, how rich we truly are, uh, regardless of what percentage we fall into a monetary scale. Um, what good news. Absolutely. Uh, theme ideas um, or things that you're thinking about, ways you could express the, the core truth of this text and um, bring it across or get people thinking. That I look back and, and I preached on this text and here was my theme, rich or poor, know what matters most. Uh, rich or poor, know what matters most. And I, I kind of just, by way of introduction to the sermon, um, just talked about yet yeah, what the conclusion that a casual reader of this text might jump to it mentioned it before uh okay we got the point uh, rich people are bad poor people are good we got it well no that's not really the point at all the point is what really matters uh in this life and on into the next um lazarus who had nothing else uh had what mattered most the rich man who seemed to have everything else he was missing something that made all the difference uh, for eternity. So um, that's one, maybe one possible approach. Um, so it's not about trying to be rich or trying to be poor. It's focusing in on the thing that that matters the most here and hereafter. 
Uh, other possibilities, ideas, Ben? Well, I don't want our listeners to think Aaron's the only one plugged into our hymnody. Um, when he was talking about uh, Lord, the I love, I'll have to get used to that after 30 years. Um, I thought of the, the end of another one, uh, who dies in faith dies well. And I wonder either if you could sing that hymn that day, you know, how do I die well? You know, that, that, I mean, that's, this text is about death. You know, one man dies and is buried and the other man dies and angels take him. Or taking the line from uh, Lord, the I love, um, how do I die unfearing? Because that, I mean, the second the rich man's eyes open, it's torment. And that's a terror. That's a terrible thing to hear. He's scared now for himself, scared for his brothers. And that's, that's what we want to be talking about. How do I die well? We're so concerned about living well, which Hebrews points us to. I mean, we have a Christian life to live, but, you know, the art of dying well, we're afraid to say the word, he died. Maybe we can recover that by, this is the hope we're given in Christ, to die well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Con confront the reality of death because the reality of Christ communicated uh, through the gospel message um, yeah, that I, counters I, death. Yeah, go ahead, John. No, I, I just thought, yeah, how to make an, an investment with eternal dividends, <laughs> you know, that uh, in a sense, both of them were investors, the rich man and Lazarus. <laughs> They just invested in different things with uh, with different results. And again, that's not saying investing in money or the stock market is bad, but it's what they're investing their hearts in. Uh, the, the word of God, word in sacrament or not. Um, what wonderful treasure will be ours if we invest in the right things by God's grace. Great, great. Any further thoughts, uh, illustrations, applications? We'll throw it out there, open it up to anything. Aaron? I, I don't know. I, I think I would probably go the route of a homily on, on this one. And the, the thought of the American dream being turned inside out or upside down is, is kind of attractive to me. And I wonder, I always liked alliteration in my themes, probably got a little annoying over the years for my members, but me, maybe Lazarus was much, Lazarus was a lot more than lucky. Uh, something, something like that, that mm -hmm. uh, in his poverty, uh, he is absolutely blessed with with the word of life and the faith to believe it. Yeah, good idea, good idea. Okay, ben? so I uh, at MLS um, there was a prof who always would preach this text, and he called the man Dives. So maybe death divest Dives. You know, <laughs> nice, nice. So that is the Latin word for rich, right? And so that has come to be attached as this rich man's name because he doesn't have a name, which I think is. Yeah, as Aaron mentioned, part of Jesus' point, not to give him a name, but Lazarus gets one. But uh, right, that's where that comes from if you run into that. Uh, John? Just one illustration I once heard from another preacher, but it said, if you want some perspective, go to an estate sale, and, and you see just lots of things. I mean, lots, like entire lot sections of people's possessions they built up over decades, gone in seconds. And again, our we're trying to make the point here. Things aren't bad, rich isn't bad, but just put into perspective. What, what am I investing again that's going to last <laughs> beyond that time? Because I'm not going to be able to, to take this stuff with me. Right, right, yeah. I remember a time at my uh, when I was down in Illinois, I took my daughter down uh, to the Miracle Mile in Chicago on North, North Michigan Avenue there uh, to a, a very famous uh, doll store. Uh, my daughter had just loved the doll that we got her for Christmas. And this was at the same time of, of those terrible, terrible earthquakes in Haiti. 
And as I'm as I'm sitting there walking through the store where the doll can get real life hairdressers, the doll can go and, and have tea and macaroni and cheese uh, with mom and, and with the daughters uh, there, etc., uh, all for a, an extremely high price. Um, I, I left the store with tears in my eyes, thinking of the American girl that has money to throw at mac and cheese and food for her doll um, in, in one of the richest zip codes in the United States. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the, the Haitian girl had never ever known uh, anything like that in her life. And I, I think that was kind of one of those accidental moments in life that, that became a, a, a profound point of change for me in viewing how just blessed we are uh, in the practical abilities to, to um, I think of Dan Sims' good work that he's doing with Christian Aid and Relief now in Synodin and practical application to, to see those opportunities that are right there uh, in front of us on a daily basis and, and to, to seize those opportunities because we love the Lord Jesus and we love our fellow man and we love the, the fifth commandment. Um, and, and to do those things just for the sake of, of where the eyes and, and the helping hands of God in those cases. Yeah, yeah. And as um, you know, Hebrews would emphasize, and I think Lazarus is an example of this, um, trusting in the Lord, you have everything. Uh, you have security already. And if you have that security in the Lord, you can afford to be generous. You can put yourself out there and be helpful. You can, you can give and serve uh, selflessly, because you're not giving away your security when you do that. You have that in Christ through the word of life, um, emphasized here in this text, too. Yeah, the word of life has come, come to us. Our names are written in the book of heaven. That's our future. So therefore, we can live and serve generously. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for uh, great thoughts today. Hopefully some, some excellent uh, material for preachers to ponder and think over as they go about preaching this familiar, um, but really still, of course, timeless and thought-provoking text. Um, Jesus speaking hard truths to us, but out of love for us and for all those around us. God bless you as you preach the word.